I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Are you all okay today? Does anyone else struggle, struggle with an overactive brain that will not shut down? <laughs> I want to read a couple of scriptures to you. I just want to make sure I was not alone. Okay, that's all that was about. Just make sure I'm not the only flawed person in the room. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6. I'm reading from the New King James this morning. Um, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Everybody say Elementary. Elementary means basic. It means foundational. It means stuff that you should have learned in, in first grade and second grade and third grade. You know, we have elementary school, we have middle school, we have high school, then we have college, then we have uh, graduate school. Elementary is the basic stuff. In, in our world, it's, the, it's your ABCs. It's how to spell cat. It's how to count to 10. Uh, it's, it's knowing your shapes and colors. It's, these are the elementary things. He said, so leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, notice that word is plural, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Today I want to begin a new series, and it's really just an extension of our AD series as we're taking the journey beyond the cross. What happened after the cross? We've been through the resurrection. We've been through His appearances on earth after He was resurrected, uh, and then we have seen Him be ascended into heavens. The next major event that happens in the New Testament is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You see Jesus referred to this many times, specifically in Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, and then, uh, and then you see it happen in Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I want to lay a foundation today that we can build upon for the next few weeks. Next Sunday, uh, Bishop will be here and he'll be talking to you. Next week is Pentecost Sunday. And I really believe that God's going to do some powerful things. And uh, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But I'm praying that uh, for God to pour out his spirit upon us in a fresh way. In Acts, the third chapter, uh, it, it says that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And I pray that as we talk in this series and as we talk about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, I pray that times of refreshing would come into your life. That you would just be refreshed and renewed. The series, our series is simply titled this, The Third Person. See, if you were to read the Bible in its entirety, especially the New Testament, without any preconception, you would be convinced that the Holy Spirit is vital to the life and effectiveness of both the church and the believer. But it's my conviction that the American church has in a great degree dismissed or quit teaching the truth about the Holy Spirit. We've stressed the importance of the cross, and we should. We have stressed that God is the creator, and we should. But Jesus himself said in Matthew 28 and 19, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say make converts. He, made dis he said make disciples, which is, is growing in your faith, growing in your discipleship, growing in your knowledge of God. But to make disciples, disciples, we have to teach the truth of the word and the entirety of the Bible. Why would Jesus then... Want it to be all about the cross when there is more to the story, more to his story, 
Jesus' story doesn't end on the cross. It doesn't even end in the tomb, nor does it end when he ascends into the heaven, but the story continues, and Jesus wants us to know about it. In fact, he said, it is to your advantage that I go away, that the helper might come to you. It is to, to your advantage that the Holy Spirit comes to the earth, and he can't come until I leave. Now, why would Jesus say to us, it's better for me to go that he can come and then us never talk about him? D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist, pastor, and revivalist. Uh, if you study church history in America, you study the history of the, the moves of God, you, you can't study without reading about a great man. His name was D.L. Moody. In Chicago in the late 1800s, he was the pastor of a small church. They had a little storefront. They couldn't hardly get more than a, a dozen people or so there. Uh, and he, like others, believed uh, then and now, believed that that the Holy Spirit was not really for today, that you got what you got at salvation, and that, that he wasn't really, he had stopped baptizing people back in the days of Peter and Paul, and it wasn't for modern day people. And then two elderly free, uh, free Methodist women, uh, they came to him and, and said, uh, one's name was uh, Auntie Cook, and the other one's name was Mrs. Snow. And they came to him and they said, uh, Pastor Moody, we want you to know that we're going to start praying for you that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on you. We're just going to start praying with you that you'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Moody, being the good pastor that he was, he thanked them. He said, I'm so grateful that you're praying for, you, that you're praying for me, but let me explain something to you. And he went on to explain that he had received all the Holy Spirit there was to get when he got saved. According to Moody, as they prayed over the next bit of time, he, he began to realize that he didn't have much in the way of supernatural power operating in his ministry. He never saw miracles. He never saw things happening. He just preached and people worshiped a little bit and that was it. There was no moving of the power of God in his ministry. One day, uh, he began studying and he clearly began to see in Acts chapter 2 that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was imparted, imparted the power to be a witness for Jesus. And he finally came to a place where he realized that he was lacking a baptism in his life. Remember in Hebrews chapter 6, he said, the doctrine of baptisms, more than one. And he realized, I am lacking something. So he went to preach for his good friend R.A. Torrey. He was another great revivalist uh, and evangelist in that time. But, and uh, so he went to preach for him in London. But on his way, he stopped in New York City. And he was taking a walk through there, and something remarkable happened. And here's what his good friend R.A. Torrey said. And you can read this in his book, Why God Used D.L. Moody. Here's what he said. He, being Moody, was walking up Wall Street in New York. And in the midst of the bustle and hurry of that city, his prayer was answered. The power of God fell upon him as he walked up the street, and he had to hurry off to the house of a friend and ask that he might have a room by himself. And in that room, he stayed alone for hours, and the Holy Ghost came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God to withhold his hand, lest he die on the spot from that very joy. He went out from that place with the power of the Holy Ghost upon him, and when he got to London, the power of God wrought through him mightily in North London, and hundreds were added to the churches. So here is a man that couldn't get more than a dozen or so, but when the power of the Holy Spirit hit him on his way to London, when he got there, hundreds 
hundreds were added to the church. And God used him mightily. Hebrews 6 and 2. We've got to move beyond the, the basic, fundamental, elementary things. Here's one of them. The doctrine of baptisms. We, we shouldn't make uh, the Holy Spirit harder to understand than He is. We shouldn't make Him more complicated than He is. But, but what we do, because the Holy Spirit is the most controversial thing uh, that in the church over the last 50 years or so, that, that we just don't talk about it. So where we are in 2015 is we used to have two camps, those that believed in the Holy Spirit and those that did not. Um, but now we've come to a place where, for the most part, people have come to the middle and they just simply don't talk about it. It's not that they don't believe one way or the other, but it's not talked about. Thus, our pastors uh, are, are, are creating disciples that don't know exactly what they believe because we're not discussing it. Does that make sense? And so I, I want to I dive right in. Can I just jump off in the middle of it? Will you be okay with me? Don't be mad at me. Love me through it. All right. Here, here's the thing. Uh, put a uh, first John for me, if you would. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. Three. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Do you know who the Word is? Jesus. The Bible says that the Word became flesh. That's what John taught us. The Word became flesh. So here's what he's saying. In heaven, there are three people bearing witness. There are three people looking down. Three persons of the Godhead. It's called the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever heard of the Trinity? The Holy Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when I was in Bible school... Uh, I took this doctorate level class, even though I was a sophomore in college, I took this doctorate level class on systematic theology and we spent weeks, I am not kidding with you, we spent weeks arguing about the doctrines of the Trinity and changing of to in and 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 these little bitty words and I sat there day after day going, this is stupid. At the end of the day, there's three parts of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all God. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't get caught up. Don't divide over it. And they feel this way and they feel this way. Listen, it's not worth the division. Let's come together and just say, you know what? There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're all working in my life. And they've been, all been working throughout the entirety of the Bible. They all have a plan for you. They all have a, they're all one. The, the Godhead, three in one. Okay? So we see this here. We see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, we are okay with God the Father, the Creator. We, we, we kind of understand that. We read about Him in the Old Testament. We see Jesus, the Son, in, in the Gospels. And we see how Jesus connected to His Father. And He said, you know, uh, everything I do is because my Father tells me to. Everything I say is because He tells me to say it. And we see this interaction with God and the Father. But then we just skip the Holy Spirit and we don't talk about it. But in fact, when Jesus was baptized, we actually see all three parts of the, the Trinity right here. And all four Gospels talk about it. Jesus is baptized. So here, Jesus is the Son. John the Baptist baptizes Him with water. When He comes up, God the Father speaks out of heaven. And what does He say? 
This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So we see Jesus and we see God the Father. And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descended upon him and remained. So now we see God the Father speaking. This is my beloved son. We see Jesus being baptized. And then we see the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus and remaining. In the Old Testament, this changed the deal. In the Old Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit would descend upon a man, but then would lift off of him. You see, even uh, when you see Saul, when the Spirit came upon him and he prophesied and he turned into another man, but then the Spirit left him. So in the Old Testament, it would come upon you and leave. But when Jesus came, he changed the whole deal. And he said, when the ho- when now, and so now when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he descends upon you and remains in your life. So we see... Clearly here, there's three parts of the Godhead that are working in our life. In Acts chapter 2, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, um, they, come to, they come to Peter and they say, what shall we do then? And Peter said to them, this is at the end of his sermon, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to propose to you today that there are three baptisms in the New Testament. Okay, three. Here's the first one. We see them all right here. The first baptism is the baptism of salvation. Here's what he said. Repent. Salvation is about repentance. It's about turning back to God. It's about the grace of God being released into your life. So we see it right here. The first baptism is repent. Second baptism, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. This is water baptism. Uh, this is, this is uh, immersion. This is to be dipped. This is to be submerged underwater. This is, and, and we'll talk more about it. Then we see the third one. And, and receive the, whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now this is the third baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John said, uh, I baptize you with water, but there's another come after me that will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And so we see three distinct things right here in Acts chapter 2. Right after they're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they come out, they start preaching, and this is what Peter says. He says, you, you need to be saved, you need to be water baptized, and you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. These are the three parts of conversion that, that we see throughout the New Testament. Let's skip forward and go a little further. Acts chapter 8. I'm going to cover a lot of ground. Don't try, to co- don't try to follow me. Just You can make note of this. Am I talking too fast for you? I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just cruising. My wife's nodding, saying, slow down. Okay, slow down. Acts chapter 8. Philip is teaching and preaching in Samaria. He's preaching. Man, miracles are happening. Demons are leaving people. Revival breaks out. Healed, delivered. People are saved. Verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So now we see the first two baptisms here. We see believe. This is talking about salvation. Remember, they were called believers. They weren't called Christians yet. They were called believers or people of the way. And and so they believed this was salvation as he preached the good news or the gospel. And then secondly, they were baptized, both men and women. They were baptized. So we see here, they, were, they found salvation, and then they were water baptized. But as you go on, verse 14, Now the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and they sent to them Peter and John. Now remember, there is a belief 
that you get what you get at salvation. You get all the Holy Spirit you're going to get at salvation. But watch what happens here. They sent to them Peter and John, who came down to them and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So I want you to notice, people are believing and being baptized. Word then gets back to the apostles in Jerusalem. And however long it takes for that word to get back, a day, a two days, a week, I don't know, it gets back. Then they make a decision, hey, we better send Peter and John down there. So then Peter and John pack up and they head back to Samaria. So I don't know how many days this is. I don't know if it's two days or three days or two weeks. But some course of time, there's a space of time here where they believed and were baptized. And then Peter and John came and and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. We see three distinct things for he had not yet fallen on any of them but they had only been baptized in the name of the lord jesus so we see here that the holy spirit had not baptized them so peter and john come down pray for them and they are baptized they laid hands on them and they received the holy spirit here's another one for you acts chapter 19 this is many many years after pentecost paul is preaching in ephesus and he passed as he passed through uh the the country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. I want you to notice. These were not unbelievers. These were disciples. And he said to them, watch this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, I wonder how many Christians in America, how many disciples this could be said of. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you raised your hand and answered that sinner's prayer? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you signed up to be a part, to be a member of that church? Whatever it might be. Did you receive? And I wonder how many would respond and say, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Because they had been believed and they had been baptized but they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I think this is a question that we all ought to ask ourselves both today and over the course of the next few weeks. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed or have you received Him since? Clearly we received... Uh, we see from these three instances, and, and there's more, that, it is, that there's more to this deal than just salvation and water baptism. Let's take a quick look at each of these. The first is salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So we see right here we were baptized, dipped, plunged, immersed into Christ. And, and so into one body. When we're saved, we come into the body of Christ. This is salvation right here. The first baptism. And 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 describes how we are saved 2nd Corinthians 7 and 10 here we go for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret I want you to understand something when you give to life to, when you give your life to Jesus he doesn't just give you salvation but he get, wants to give you salvation without regret no more regretting what you did it's gone it's as if it never happened 
Salvation without regret. Whereas worldly, whereas worldly grief produces death. So repentance leads us to salvation. Godly sorrow, godly grief produces repentance. Romans 10 and 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. Uh, this first baptism is how we're saved. It's the belief of the heart and the confession of the mouth. Why do we say the sinner's prayer? Not because it was just a good idea, because the act of confessing with our mouths. You know, God doesn't need your help to save you. He only needs your permission. And so when we believe in our heart and then we confess with our mouth, it is speaking out, confessing, and, and remember that the power of life and death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So when we speak it out and when we confess, we are, we are literally speaking life where there used to be death. We are speaking salvation where there used to be no salvation. That, and so he said, I've got to confess this thing. I've got to confess this thing. You know, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Listen, speak it out, confess it, because it's going to create life in your world. But he, he doesn't need your help he just needs you to give him permission. He won't do it unless you ask him to do. If you went to your doctor and said, I need surgery, your doctor does not need your help to do a surgery on you, but he does need your permission. He's not going to do surgery unless you give him permission, but he doesn't need your help. He doesn't need you pulling the mask out of the way and say, hey, you need to get in a little more over here. God doesn't need your help to save you. He just needs your confession, your permission. Because here's the thing, you couldn't do it anyway. You couldn't do it anyway. Uh, the, the word is sola fide. Martin Luther was reading along through the book of Romans. And he was actually uh, transcribing. And he got to Romans chapter 1 verse 17 that said uh, we, that we were, uh, that, uh, uh, mind blank, by faith alone. Uh, <laughs> I need to, goodness gracious, Romans 1 and 17, too many scriptures today. For it is, it is the righteousness of God that is revealed from faith to faith, at his, it is, as it is written, uh, the just shall live by faith, or the righteous shall live by faith. And this became the battle cry of the Reformation, sola fide, by faith alone. God doesn't need your help, he just needs your permission. You can't do it anyway. Salvation rejoins the broken place between you and God that was broken during the fall. Sin has placed a canyon between you and God that you can't cross without salvation, but without the grace of God. But when you're saved, you're going to heaven, but you're not finished. You're not there yet. That, that's just the entrance. That's just the start. You see, the other two baptisms don't happen without the first, but the first is not the end. A couple years ago, about a year and a half ago now, we took our kids to Disney World. And uh, man, just had a blast. And uh, man, here, here we are. This is um, uh, from, from left to right. That's Peyton, Quinn, Randy, Kennedy, and Parker. Uh, now, I only have two of those. I don't take, uh, but, but the, so Peyton and Parker, my nephews, Quinn's my niece. The other two in the middle, those are my kids. And so this is at the entrance just outside the entrance of the Magic Kingdom. Anybody ever been to the Magic Kingdom? You know where, you know where this is at? All right. 
It's beautiful. It's fantastic. There, the, there is electricity in the air. You can feel it. The magic is about to begin. But I want you to notice this sign right here, right behind them. It says, let the memories begin. And when I think about this, this is what I think about salvation right here. You got to the entrance. You're there. You're at Disney World. And that's what salvation is. But then that's not the end of it there's more on the other side of that gate. There's all the rides and the princesses and the fun and the food and the ice cream and the fireworks. It's all on the other side. But I wonder how many of us get to the, the here and we say, we made it to Disney World and we take pictures and we're saved and then we go back to our hotel room. And we never go inside the gate. You, you see, this to me encapsulates salvation. You're there. Your salvation is sure when, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord, forgiveness of sins, repentance in your heart. This happens. You are there. But there's more beyond that. And that's when the next two baptisms come in. Don't get stuck at the gate. Go beyond. I love it. Let the memories begin. When you find salvation, it's only the beginning. Here's what Jesus says. Hey, the fun's going to start now. Hey, now the memories are about to happen. The old is washed away. You, don't even re- you won't even remember what it was like to be in that other world. But I, I want to I I start a new life, a new world with you where, where things are working and things are happening and there are benefits and, it's, and, and you're eating ice cream every day. It's a, ma- it's a magical place. There's more to it. So the second baptism is water baptism. And I won't spend a lot of time talking about this, but uh, water baptism, we, we see where there was baptized in the name of Jesus. Matthew 28 and 19. Uh, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's little word, go there, powerful word. How many churches have been built because Jesus said go? How many missionaries have gone to the other side of the world because Jesus said go? How many people have given their lives? How many dollars have been given? How many schools have been built? How many churches? How, how much missions work? How many village trips? How many lives have been laid down because Jesus simply said go? Powerful word. Um, but then he said, make disciples. Don't just make converts. So go beyond salvation. Discipleship is about going beyond the entrance. Baptizing them. Baptizing them. Galatians three twenty six and 27. Uh, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And, and so... We are sons of God through faith. That's the first baptism. Second baptism is we are baptized into Christ. This is water baptism, to be immersed or plunged literally into water. Uh, we go in with, so we're a new person in Christ. We're saved, but we still have the old person, the old habits, the old hang-ups attached to us. The old mindsets, the old addictions, the old problems. And so, but when we go into the water, this is what the Bible teaches us. When you come out, you come out and the old man stays buried, but you come out a new creation in Christ in, in your resurrected form and everything changes and all the old man has passed away. So before ba- water baptism, you're saved, but you still have all the baggage. When you, once you're water baptized, all that is passed away. This is a very important and powerful part of conversion that is only available to believers. 
If you, if you are an unbeliever, if you're a sinner, you'll go down into the water a dry sinner. You'll come up a wet sinner. You'll still be a sinner. It's only for believers. It's only for believers. Uh, but this baptism cleanses you. And you know what? Just, just so you know, it is totally okay to be baptized one, more than one time in your life. You, you might have collected some more baggage along the way that you need to get rid of. Hey, it's time for another dip. And, and that's totally okay. Third baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, are you guys with me today? I'm trying to lay a foundation. We'll have more fun next week, but I'm trying to lay a foundation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out in a fresh new way on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. When we look at what Jesus said, remember Jesus changed the deal, and I talked to you about this a minute ago. He changed the deal and, and when, he, when the Holy Spirit descended upon him and remained. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Now, this is John the Baptist speaking. All of the Gospels refer to this incident, incident um, this instance. But he, he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So here's what, here's what John, John the Baptist said. I baptize with water. But Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We accept Jesus into our life, and then He turns around and baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Verse 16. I love this verse. When He had been baptized, now, when you're reading in the New King James Version, one of the things I love about New King James is they help you out. And the way they help you out is anytime something is referring to God, they capitalize the first letter. So if it's a pronoun or, or if, it's a, if it's a name or a title of God, anything that refers to God, they capitalize it, which helps us distinguish who's being talked about here because there's a lot of he's and she's in the Bible, right? So here we go. When he, being Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately, immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. And I want you to notice something here. And he saw the Spirit of God descending on, on him like a dove and alighting upon him. Descending like a dove and alighting upon him. I want you to note, Jesus comes up out of the water. The heavens are open to him, and he sees the Holy Spirit descending. Now, John refers to seeing it later, but this is important. Jesus needed to know that the Holy Spirit was on him. Because Jesus was going to face some trials. Jesus was going to face some problems. Jesus was going to face some demons. Jesus was headed towards a cross. Jesus was headed towards people that were going to hate him and lie about him and try to kill him and eventually do so. They would beat him. They would punish him. They, they would try to arrest him. They did all these things. And for where Jesus was going, I love this, he needed to know. I see the Holy Spirit and I see it resting on me. I want you to know something. You need to know when the Holy Spirit is upon you. You need to know when you've, when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to know that He's on you because the devil will try to say to you, no, you didn't get anything. No, that's just for the pastor. No, that's just for the elder. No, that's just for the people that pray 17 hours a day. No, that's just for them. Nothing happened to you, but you need to know something. You need to, you need to get it down deep that I know that the Holy Spirit is descending upon me and He's going to remain upon me, not just while I'm in the confounds of this church, but when I leave out these doors and I face my life the Holy Spirit is with me 
You got to know that. You got to know that when you're facing a problem, the Holy Spirit is with you. And He's not just there when you pray. He wants to be there all the time. He is with you. He is a person, not a thing. And He wants to walk with you and talk with you and help you and comfort you and lead you and guide you and strengthen you and encourage you and lift you up and empower you everywhere that you go. But you got to know it. Because I promise you this. The devil is a liar and he wants to get in your head. He'll say to you, you don't have the Holy Spirit. That stopped in the early church days. It's all fake. Can I be honest with you for a minute? I've been in church a long time. And uh, I've seen fake. And I've seen real. And I refuse to throw out the real because I've seen someone fake it. Because I've felt it real in my life. I've felt the Holy Spirit at work. I felt Him show up. I felt when I turned and I didn't know what to do. I have felt God say, Oh, there you are, Holy Spirit. I've been waiting on you. And, he, you, and I, I have seen God work. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you can't tell me it's not real because I've experienced it. You can't tell me it didn't happen because I've lived it. I know it. I feel it. I've walked through it. You can't tell me. Yes, I know that some people fake it. I've seen them do it. Can't promise you that I've never faked it. But I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm going to hold on to a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to a friend that wants to be involved in my life. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I won't allow the enemy to lie to me and tell me it's all fake. It's not for me. It's not for now. It, it, you hadn't been praying enough. You can't call on the Holy Spirit. You hadn't worshipped long enough. You can't call on the Holy Spirit. You ever get into that place where you know you hadn't been praying like you, like you need to, you hadn't worshipped, and you've and you messed up, you've gotten off track a little bit, so you go to call on Jesus, you go to call on the Holy Spirit, and the devil says to you, oh, no, 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 you better go to church first. Well, you don't have time to go to church first. You need an answer right then. You need some help right then. I don't have time to go to church and get it all straight and run squalling to the altar and get prayed for and all that. I just need the Holy Spirit right now. Listen, don't let the devil lie to you. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, he's there and he wants to be there in your life all the time. Bible says in Joel 2.28, and, and this is a scripture that, that Peter references when he stands up to preach his message. And he said, um, his, his first statement is, and it shall come to pass in Joel that I will pour out my spirit. Notice that spirit is capitalized because he's referring to the Holy Spirit. And it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Peter then goes on and he quotes this scripture. I want you to note here the simple word afterward. There's a before time and then there's an afterward time. and Something happens in the middle. Something happens. You know what those things are? The first one is the cross changed the deal. And the second one is Peter couldn't preach this message until the Holy Spirit fell. Jesus didn't preach this message. Peter preached this message. 
because the Holy Spirit was poured out. I want to, um, I just want to encourage you in this. If you've been going through a place and a time in your life when you felt frustrated, defeated, beat up, confused, and you, you felt like there's no power, you felt like things aren't working, felt, feel like things aren't going your way, here's what I want to encourage you. Afterward, everything changed. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and things change in your life. Power's coming your way. I'll, I'll be back in two weeks and I'm probably going to talk to you about the, the, a message called You Will. You Will. You Will Receive Power. When, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Acts chapter 4, the disciples were going through difficult times. They had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but now they're going through tough times. They're going through rough times. It's difficult. They're struggling. They're straining. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard time. Do you know what happens? Read the end of Acts chapter 4. They're praying, and the Holy Spirit filled them again. Even as believers, when you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, Sometimes you need a little bit extra. I want to pray for you today and throughout this series over the next few weeks that the Holy Spirit would begin to fill you again. If you've never been filled, that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you have been, but you're just running on empty, I pray that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit again. That you would have the, the, the God that you need to go live your life and walk the road and carry the cross that God has called for you. I don't want to deny the third person uh, of, of the Trinity. I don't, I don't want to deny the third, uh, the third part of God working in your life, the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you.